Welcome to the Windswept and Interesting podcast. I'm Richard Baines and I'm bringing you the full story from the movers and shakers in Scotland's outdoors who I meet through my work. I'm passionate about paths and I've been delighted to help the Outdoors Access Trust for Scotland, better known as OATS, for a few years now. I spent a day earlier this year working on footpath maintenance with Oates staffer Shona Irvin, who organises volunteering for the charity. The chat was so good that I came back to meet her here in the Cairngorms to find out more about her work and her thoughts. So how do you become an outdoors professional like Shona? Why should you always have something more interesting than cheese in your sandwiches? How can you help maintain the path that you use And why should you? And just how much sexism does a young woman running stuff in the outdoors have to put up with? First of all, Shona took me to a stretch of path that's facing problems to tell me how this kind of thing all works in practice. This is just a short section of stone pitching on this bit of path. And pitching is basically lots of little steps on a steep section of path. And the idea is it's a very hard wearing, impermeable surface so rather than the water, if, if water gets onto the path, that's really not what we want. Um, so rather than water running down the path and washing the surface material away, um, if water gets on the section of pitching, it just runs down and nothing erodes and it can last for years and years, decades, absolutely decades. Um, so it's a really, really sturdy path surface. I'm not mad on walking downhill on these. That's a disadvantage, isn't it? Because it's, it's sort of usually set for people going uphill. Certainly, yeah. People don't really like pitching to walk on. Some people, it hurts the knees going up or down and it can be uncomfortable and you get different sizes. It's all just built with with stone that's around or imported stone. It's not built concrete steps, so they're all different sizes and shapes and you have to really look where you're going and it definitely has its issues. Quite often, you can have people not walking on the pitching and what you've got here is um, to the left, you've got a little bit of a desire line path um, and it's just where people have walked instead of walking on the pitching um, and that can just lead to path widening but you can see you can understand why people do it uh, just to save their knees and things but it's really not ideal but then up at the top of this bit you can see where water's starting to get in and eventually that could even undermine the pitching so yeah it's yeah. not it's really not great because if you have this kind of desire line path next to the pitching then yeah the water runs down it more people walk on that path and when water runs down it it gets deeper it gets into more of a trough and then looks like more of a path so then people will walk on that Um, and then the pitching gets less walked on so it can become more overgrown and looks less desirable so then what people might walk on the kind of path to the side thinking that was the original path and then eventually what you can happen is the pitching getting completely overgrown um, and disappearing into the heather or into the, the grass and the moss um, and then the path to the side becomes a slight muddy mess um, if, if it's wet or just a big scar if not. So that's the worst case scenario? Completely worst case scenario, yeah. <laughs> that's the doom and gloom scenario. Completely. Sometimes you do just get a little bit of a path um, alongside and that it's not a disaster in any way. Um, and if it's like here... Um, there's quite a lot, it's quite a thin soil kind of down to the bedrock fairly soon afterwards so it's not going to become a massive muddy mess and people aren't walking miles either side of the pitching so it's, it's not a disaster really. Where you get this happening, can you do anything to sort of deter people from going this way? Yeah, so on, on a bit like this, 
if I mean here the pitching's quite narrow, so you can see that people might walk either side to kind of just because it's it's quite narrow bit of path Maybe anyway. Maybe if they're walking two abreast. Yeah, so you can see that it might have occurred anyway. Um, but if, if this pitching was wide enough, or um, if we were wanting to stop that path, what what I might try and do is go and get tiny little spot turfs from elsewhere um, and kind of block the, the the bottom of this desire line path and then block it up. Um, at the top side as well, just to kind of discourage people from seeing this as a bit of bit of a way to walk down. On other bits of pitching, not necessarily this bit, what you can have in, is a lot of um, growth of vegetation in and around the stones on the side, meaning that people it's pushing people one side or the other. Quite often with heather, it's a lovely plant, it looks great when it's all purple, but it tends to kind of encroach on the path a lot. So we might end up doing a little bit of pulling out the heather um, just on one side because it tends to grow and it can be quite leggy and ends up growing over the path. So you might have to pull back a bit of the heather. Um, and quite often it's just long, um, long kind of stems of the heather. So pulling that back to kind of discover the path that's underneath. Um, and, and pitching as well. If you've not got a proper um, water bar at the top, what can happen if you've got loose material at the top? it can all be kind of get scuffed or kicked down or washed down onto the pitching. So in some areas you've got a lot of like loose aggregate on top of the pitching. It's a bit like marbles on top of a hard surface. So sometimes you just come and scrape that off. So that was what we found when I came out for a day with you on Beneglow. Yes, yes. Exactly that. We so were, on we... the, the shoulder of Carnlea we were working that day. Um, loads of pitching up there. And that's certainly got bits of path where people are walking either side. Um, but yeah, that's a, a steep descent, so hard on the knees. Um, but yeah, definitely lots of kind of marble-like stones down, down the pitching stones. So we did bits of clearing that. Yeah, so I guess the, the way I got into to Oats, um, the Outdoor Access Trust for Scotland, much easier to say Oats. Um, I studied wildlife biology and conservation and environmental science at uni. Um, basically just because I love the outdoors. I... Um, just like outdoorsy things, um, but generally because I like the uh, nature and the ecosystems that surround us and habitats um, that we go through, whether that's running or biking or climbing or skiing or walking. Um, it's it's something that I think think is so interesting and so we have so much more to learn about, but also we should really be respecting it. And so once I'd studied that, I thought, right, what's next? I worked um, doing various bits and bobs I worked as a, a ranger or a nature reserve officer, I think the job title was, with Nature Scott uh, across national nature reserves in Highland. That was great, doing um, various kind of uh, working with visitors to reduce their impact on the nature reserves. Um, and then I did um, a season doing some habitat restoration work. Um, so that was very much forest based and I'd never really spent much time in the woods. I'd mostly been mostly been up hills and things so it was it was great to spend some time with trees and get my head around that it sounds, getting to know them yeah. they were quite fun yeah um and then i really knew that i wanted to continue to work outdoors and with people where possible and this job came up where um i was a volunteer manager and running other projects as well and i thought yeah ideal um so it's been great to get outside with groups and um, taking them out onto footpaths and a lot of it is telling folk about footpaths getting people to understand that these things um haven't just appeared that actually most footpaths particularly on 
busy hills such as Monroe's where people are really aiming to get to the top um, they've become it's become more and more popular so these footpaths have had to be built to reduce the impact um, on the hillside um, and yeah it just it's really encouraging working with people them getting stuck in and experiencing the outdoors in a different way and the paths that have been built obviously then suffer wear and tear themselves and that's where you come in getting volunteers to help people like me coming along to help fix them yeah so i, had I, hope, I hope they're not all like me <laughs> no uh, no it's a good mix of folk now actually um so i've got yeah a good range of folk from retired folk who have more time on their hands uh-huh. and or people that have been working in an office nine till five suddenly thinking right no i want to get outdoors people that are want a changing career and want some experience or people that yeah really just want to give back have spent decades walking in the hills and then at the other end of the spectrum i have people going who've you know going through uni or trying to get experience um, in some kind of outdoor environment or environmental charity or trust um, so yes yeah, some students and then more recently lots of folk who work for generally larger organizations that give them volunteer days through work um, so they maybe have two or three or four days a year that they're allowed to go and volunteer for um, so yeah it means on a volunteer day you can have a complete range of ages and all sorts of folk and people travel from a from a wee bit as well so i can have a real varied group and it, it leads to really fun conversations and just there's always a different group of people so actually it's just nice being out and about and generally i kind of forget what we're meant to be doing we just chat away and i think oh we're meant to be doing some work but it's it's a nice day out and hopefully the volunteers enjoy it as well so what, what are your favourite outdoor activities? Because you, I remember you, you, you'll talk to people about that as well. That's part of the way you connect with people, isn't it? What, what do you like doing in the outdoors? Yeah, so I do all sorts of bits and bobs, really. Um, I kind of, my parents did lots of hill running, so I grew up doing bits of that as a teenager, but also just biking, road bike, kind of wee bits of mountain biking, gravel biking, um, kayaking. I was really, really lucky to have been uh, born and brought up in Aviemore. Um, so there's all sorts of things on the doorstep there um, kayaking, skiing, climbing I never got into surfing there's some things I've never done that seem strange but um, yeah just generally being outside doing something fairly active but I think going away to uni and coming back has made me realise that although a lot of people know of Aviemore you'll say Aviemore and people think oh amazing an adventure playground it's almost that that I feel like I spend my time combating that with volunteers or just in life in general because I think a lot of people tend to see outdoor activities you can just go and do them and it doesn't matter and it doesn't cost they're free once you've got the equipment you can just go and do it and yeah the environment around Aviemore and other places on the west coast there's just opportunities for all sorts of outdoor activities and it's a playground and we just go and do what we want and I think we need to kind of take a step back and think no actually for us to go and do these things you need to have a bit of built infrastructure. Yeah. And um, I think in different groups, people are kind of have different, slightly different attitudes, but um, it's great that so many people are getting out and about and more people are getting out and about and people have done it for years, but there's just so many people walking, climbing, skiing, and particularly on footpaths. Um, these, are, these are built pieces of infrastructure that need maintained yeah. and... They're not just there. It is a playground, but it, it needs to be respected. I suppose part of the problem here is 
the, the more people use them, the more maintenance they use. Agencies, yourselves, whatever, might be tempted to think, well, we need to build it a bit stronger. We need to, we need to make it, maybe put a bit of tarmac in. It's quite, a, it's quite a difficult thing to balance, isn't it? Yeah, it's really interesting. Funny you're talking about tarmacking. Luckily, I'm on fairly upland areas when I'm doing my volunteer work, so there's no idea, no thoughts of ever using tarmac. But certainly you do get folks that think, oh, no, we don't want a proper built bridge here. We, stepping stones are fine or... Um, no, there shouldn't be a, a proper surfaced path. But just with the numbers of folk getting out into the hills now, you do need, in, in lots of locations where a kind of desire line path would have been okay in the past, now a built surfaced aggregate path with drainage features kind of is required. Um, just because more people, yeah, walking on the path creates more of a scar, more damage to the environment, and more people creating a a line through an area which then inevitably gets wider and wider or people cutting corners and if you don't have a, a proper built path these problems just get worse and worse so actually although a path can be an eyesore it's actually the best for the surrounding environment it's a compromise in other words yeah a bit of a compromise i think it's funny because yes a built path can be an eyesore but actually if the path wasn't there, people could end up walking instead of a metre width. They might end up walking three metres I've width. I've seen it. Yeah, you see it. You see it all so over you'd the place, see yeah. that from miles as well. Yeah, yeah. And so at, least, at least it's contained and it's not doing the environmental damage. Completely. This is the Windswept and Interesting podcast, talking to Paths Ace Shona Irvin from Oats. Why should you not wear pink trousers on your first day working with a bunch of old blokes? Stay listening. We'll be back in one minute. So one of the one of the issues with this, of course, is it's great saying we need built paths, but they've got to be paid for. Yes. So I know Oates has got some fairly well-developed models for doing that. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I guess in the past and largely still present, uh, most, most path work is funded by short-term projects or if it's lucky enough, then a landowner that has, has money to invest in their hillside. But a lot of... A lot of Scottish hillsides are owned by private landowners that don't necessarily get any income from hillwalkers or hill users, so they've not really got any money to invest in paths. Um, and I think it's really interesting, again, I was talking about people just thinking you can go and use the landscape and not thinking at all about... I mean, I didn't before I worked on paths. I didn't think who's built these paths, who's maintained these paths. And it's, it's not the council. It's not, um, <laughs> you know, it's not all... The national donations, park or, national parks. Yeah, the lottery or anything like that. Completely. Um, it tends to be, yeah, kind of short-term things. So Oates is really working to try and combat that and have a more sustainable and resilient system for funding pathwork, whereby, for example, at the Beneglow car park that we re- recently just opened, um, you pay a couple of pounds for a day's parking and that money goes directly back into path maintenance. In fact, that one's going to go back directly into volunteer work, which is great um, because I think there's so much scope to get volunteers involved. Um, but things like Oats Car Park at Fairy Pools, that money will go into um, Sky and Fairy Pools work and other organisations do it as well. Uh, and it just makes sense. And of course, yes, it can be a shame to pay for parking, but... That money is, you know, money that's going to allow you to do the activity that you're wanting to do for the day. And I think lots of people might 
go and do a paid activity for the day, go and watch a football game or play tennis or go swimming. And all of these things cost a bit of money. So actually, yes, you need your equipment for hill walking, but otherwise it's it's fairly a cheap um, pastime once you've got your equipment. So paying a couple of pounds a day to enable you to do that, it does make sense as far as I can see. And the other the other car parking thing that we see is like in, in Arica and at Ben Nevis. You've got relatively expensive car parks, six or seven, maybe nine pound a day, and the money just disappears back to the council, which is which always seems wrong because the, that money is being generated because people are going there to the paths that either yourselves or Forestry Commission or whatever have built. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how it works in other areas too much, um, but it's really good that, yeah, the new Oats, are, Oats car parks and other kind of smaller organisations, that money can go directly into the paths yeah, and the yeah. local paths. But there is a bit of a thing with Oats and Mountaineering Scotland, the, the It's Up To Us campaign, to try and get, and part of that, only part of that, is to try and get uh, climbers to, 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 to pay up. I think that's fair. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And I think for years and years, um, people, lots of people have climbed, biked, skied, run, whatever in the hills. And as I said, it's just equipment. Then you go and use this adventure playground. And it's trying to get people to think a little bit more differently about that and think, actually, it is costing, it's costing the earth if I go and, <laughs> if I go and walk on this hill. Um, and the more times I do it, the more impact I'm having. So, yeah, a bit more of a donation to that. And then there'll be less of an impact for me to do it. So, of course, the other thing that people can do is, is do what you do, what you manage, which is the volunteers. Um, you must have some interesting experiences with them because, as you say, uh, volunteers come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, it's great. I do tend to do, because I'm working on upland paths, I do tend to do fairly strict vetting before volunteers uh, come along because sometimes I'll have days that are an hour and a half to two hours walking um, and then and that's carrying all your equipment for the day plus a spade or a bucket or a mattock um, so you have to be fairly fit um, and as much as I'd like to say it's accessible to all generally the upland path work you do need a good level of fitness and I ha unfortunately I have to draw the line somewhere so I tend to ask for people for um, a fairly good level of fitness and they have to be experienced in the hills just to make sure they know what they're getting into. Be able to look after themselves. Be able yeah. To look after themselves. Now you mentioned carrying equipment there and I remember I offered to carry a spade back down because you were carrying two spades and you almost hit me with one of the spades. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, because part of your experience as, shall we say, a relatively slightly built young woman young compared to me at least is <laughs> is that you're not always taken seriously is yeah that something, tell me about that so I just try and make sure that I can do everything myself um and yes it's nice of people to to offer help but actually you know there's no reason that you should carry two spades instead of me so and yeah because you might have been the smallest and lightest person ever. completely I was, actually, I was the oldest yes. so why should I carry two <laughs> yeah um yeah, yeah. so no I just like to make sure that everyone's really equal on a volunteer day if someone does seem to be struggling in any way obviously we'll make sure we can try and share the load um, with with them or make sure that they have two free hands for a walk down on a rough section or whatever what i was getting at a little bit was you have encountered some sexism be honest yes. about it be honest yes i mean to be perfectly honest it's fairly rare but when folk that are just walking in the hills come across the group they definitely tend to look to maybe the older men as to who's in charge. Um, 
and I you know sometimes you like that, do you? Well, sometimes I just leave them to it and I'm quite happy for them to explain to some total randomer on the hill what we're meant to be doing and I'll just keep my head down and carry on. It's quite nice, but it is quite funny. Um, yeah, generally nobody assumes that I'm the one in charge. But, but that, I mean, seriously, that, that must be a little bit galling. It can be annoying and I think it's most difficult when, if I have a group of, of men or largely men, and sometimes it's hard to get my opinion across and there can be a lot of mansplaining going across, going along and I, I have to try and try and make my opinion <laughs> heard a little bit more. Um, but it can vary on the group dynamics. But yes, sometimes a group of volunteers that's very male, male-centred can be, can be a bit more difficult. You did have an interesting story about your first time coming out with volunteers involving a pair of pink trousers. Oh yes, yes. I don't know why I decided to wear my pink trousers on the first day. I hate pink. I just happened to wear them and I thought, oh well, I don't mind getting these muddy. I'd happily wear these out. So I turned up with these pink trousers and I was... It's funny with new volunteers because you've never met them before. So you're just waiting in the car park thinking, does this person look like a volunteer? So I was kind of idly looking at people. I had the spades by the car thinking, right, okay, they might see me. And I suppose I didn't really think that the volunteers are also thinking, is this person who's running our session? So I was um, just kind of idly looking around and someone came up to me, a, a older chap, um, like, oh, are you, are you the person running the Oats Path Maintenance Volunteering? And I said, yes. And I was there in my, I just had a grey t-shirt on and it was, uh, you know, fairly informal with my pink trousers on, my walking boots and, he said, are you, are you running the volunteering? I said, yes. And he said, well, you don't look like someone that will be running the volunteering. <laughs> and I just, of course, had to just kind of smile and say, aha, yes, well. <laughs> and, uh, and you think it was the pink trousers that did it? It was probably the pink trousers that did it. But, um, yeah, I think after that and when I got to know him and, and the rest of the, the men that happened to be along that day, they've all kind of warmed up a bit more. In fact, that day was a bit funny and all in all because at lunchtime I remember just trying to make conversation and no one wanted to chat and it was just so awkward I remember thinking what do I get people to talk about oh I'll ask them what's in their sandwiches and everyone just kind of went cheese ham cheese cheese and that was it and then there was another five minutes of silence Oh, it was awful. It was awful. But after that, I think they got to know me. And in fact, some of those men, I've actually seen them smile now, which is quite nice. Um, and they keep coming back, so they must be having fun, as I said. So you do the volunteering, but you have other roles without, I think. You do other things without. Yeah, so on volunteering, as well as the path maintenance volunteering, we have um, another scheme called Adopt a Path. Um, and that's whereby volunteers get trained up. They get a path assigned and then they go out and do biannual surveys on that path and report the issues to the website. In fact, I'm doing a little bit of an audit at the website at the moment, so I'm now going through the reported issues and assigning them whether they are a volunteer role or a contractor role. And then when we've got, when we've got some um, a volunteer task or a contractor task, when we've got some funding available, um, then we can assign, um, put it out to tender and get contractors in to fix the problems that I can't do with volunteer groups um, and also just looking at uh, essentially kind of where the problems are and where I need to organize new volunteer days 
Um, so yeah, I've got, I've got the two volunteer schemes which run hand in hand and some some volunteers are just path adoptees and some are just maintenance, but there's a bit of a crossover. Um, they're kind of a bit different in that adoptees just have to do one or two days a year. Path maintenance volunteers can come once and never come back or they might be folk that come two or three times a month. Um, I'm not sure why they keep coming back, but they must be having fun at some point. Um <laughs> And as well as that, I I've think got... it's because you're such a marvellous manager and you're so entertaining. Oh, definitely. Or it might be to do with the fact that I provide cake and they know that. <laughs> um, but as well as that, I do small other kind of infrastructure improvement projects in the National Park. Um, so I've done some improved signage for sections of the Speyside Way and a wee bit of resurfacing there. At the moment, I've got a bit going through planning permission where um, there's just a bit of kind of fairly inaccessible... Um, part of the path uh, that's too steep that just needs redone so that bit's kind of hopefully it'll get there with planning permission get the ball rolling um and then yeah a couple of other signage projects so yeah other bits and bobs so keeps plenty, me plenty, busy plenty of variety in your work yes yeah. so yes. do you think you'll carry on doing this in the, I mean, it seems to be your ideal job do you think you'll con continue doing this or will you be looking <laughs> for to become the chief exec or the, the head of nature scott or something i don't I want to move up particularly I really very much enjoy being outside and tends to be in conservation the further you move up in an organization the less time you get to spend outside um, I really do enjoy working with groups in the outdoors um, and as I said I think it's amazing to work with folk and trying to kind of get them to understand that the world around us needs protected and any kind of conservation work that I can be doing with folk is, is good fun so yeah, something like that going forward. Um, in terms of volunteering with oats, at the moment we're kind of on a fairly uh, small team um, just because we're kind of between big funded projects. But it, now that there's more car park, uh, particularly the Beneglow car park, um, so there should be more car park income and that will go towards funding volunteering. So it should be something that lasts. Um, and it's a good model. And as I said, there's lots of folk wanting to get involved in volunteering whether that's um through having more free time or because more organizations are allowing for volunteer days and um, there's definitely lots of scope for volunteering um into the future right. and it sounds as if people and nature are the two things that you're really into definitely definitely, definitely. right okay, we better flee because it's starting to rain yes this could be a heavy one all right you better go A very entertaining chat there. So thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe or follow on your podcast platform and you can share this stuff too. You can also give me feedback via X, as Twitter is now rather awkwardly known. My handle there is at Scott Nature Corps. And you can look me up on LinkedIn or Facebook. Thanks very much and see you next time.